Hi, this is Michael Sinoff with HardToFindSeminars.com. You are in for a treat. The old rules to making money in the marketing consulting business just don't apply when you hear these stories. Right now, I've got Richard to spill the beans on all the inside secrets of marketing consulting. In the next two-part interviews, 60 Minutes, you'll hear real marketing consulting case studies from Richard's real clients. Other so-called marketing consultants will tell you their stories of others, but none of their own. This is different. The best way to learn how to be a successful marketing consultant is to hear exactly how the expert's doing it. You'll want to hear what Richard does in his practice today in the fourth quarter of 2004. Get ready as I dig out all the goods from Richard's proprietary marketing consulting methods. Now you'll learn how to do it by example in this two-part recording called Marketing Consulting Client Case Studies. Enjoy. I thought what I might is illustrate what's happening with these clients because it demonstrates the unique selling proposition of the system. And that is that it's a marketing system that's unique because it not only increases sales for a client, but also net profit, profit margin, bottom line profits go up. Working capital is freed up, and it can happen in as little as 60 to 90 days for a client or quicker, and it can mean a 25 to 100% increase in all of those. And it's a system, so it's step-by-step, easy to execute, and you guarantee the system's performance. So that's the unique selling proposition for the system. That's what sets it apart from everything else out there. So that's why a a consultant can go with confidence in approaching prospects because he's got something different and unique. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. So all of these stories, you need to see what's happening is we're not just increasing sales. These are profits going to the bottom line because as you go through the stories, we didn't increase the money spent to create those results. We didn't have to do more advertising. We didn't have to hire more people. We didn't have to go to more trade shows. And so we're freeing up capital because we're better allocating the scarce resource. And that's so important. And that's what's so neat about this system is because it leverages these hidden marketing assets in a way that you can create these results without asking your client to spend huge amounts of money, except which, of course, to pay you. <laughs> so, that's fair, though. That's fair enough. And so the client still gets all that return for years to come. That's important because that's the unique selling proposition for the system. You've got a collection of past clients, and you're going to discuss some stories of impact stories with specific examples of the marketplace. That's right. Well, let's start with number one see what we got. Well, this first story happens to also be the first client that I charged a fee for. As I was starting my career and got my training with Jay, of course, Jay Abraham's approach was the contingency-based and and that was difficult uh, in starting my consulting practice. And so I got referred to a small clothing store in Elko, Nevada in 1990. 
they were doing about $500,000 a year, and I uh, went in and met with them once a week for a period of weeks implementing the marketing system. What kind? Of, what was it, like a women's clothing? No, it was more of a Western outdoor clothing. And they had a retail physical retail brick and mortar? Uh-huh. Doing about 500000 a year in business. So you were referred to them by? By a, associate. So I charged this client $500 a day. That was my first fee-based charge. <laughs> and I went out to... Uh, 500 bucks a day? Yes. What, it was a male owner or what? A male owner. Uh-huh. And he owned the store, from bought it from his dad. It had been in the area a long time. I'd go out once a week and charge him $500. So that was giving me a couple thousand dollars a month. And so I was on my way to fee-based and one thing that is a common and is that these steps in the system are in an order on purpose. They are really ordered in a way to have the most important and effective impact as quickly as possible. So we're not trying to manipulate the steps in any way. They're, they're in an order to leverage the marketing assets of the client. So our first step in the system is developing a unique selling proposition. And a unique selling proposition, and uh, the acronym is USP, is the number one step and first step in the marketing system because it is essentially the sales pitch. It's the compelling selling reason that that company is in business. It is what sets that company apart, what makes that company unique from all of the competition. And it's so important because with so many different kinds of businesses in the same business, and so here you have in Elko, Nevada, in this example, you have a, a clothing retailer that's trying to compete against Corral West, which was a franchise, and, and Walmart coming in, and, and all these other clothing options in a small town of Elko. He has to stand out. He has to be unique. He has to find something that will differentiate himself from his competition. And the reason he has to do that is because if people don't perceive a reason that's different to do business with you, then they're only going to shop price. And they're only going to go to the lowest price seller. And they're only going to watch for the ads that give him the lowest price. So that was the battle this store owner had. He was fighting against the lower-priced retailers of Western clothing in the area, and he had to win that battle. And in the system, you're trained how to determine a unique selling proposition. You're given four steps, and the first step is we met with the owner and his staff to get their perspective of the unique selling proposition. And in your training material, you have a complete questionnaire that goes through what questions you should ask. The next thing we did was to call some customers, survey customers. And in your training material, you're given all of the survey questions you need to ask. And we get the customer's perspective of what might be unique. Why is that important? Well, because they're shopping for some reason. They're coming to the store for some reason, and we want to know what that is. They're maybe going to another store as well, and we want to know that. Can you give an example, like the Domino's Pizza example, what a couple USPs would be for companies that anyone would understand? Yeah. The, the Domino's Pizza is a dramatic impact for that company because they came out and, and they looked at all of the competition, 
and they surveyed customers and they talked to prospects and they asked what's most important to them and at that time speed was becoming and was a void in the industry no one was delivering a pizza fast so they did they said we'll get it to you in 30 minutes or less or it's free well that was very compelling that was very unique and it took Domino's to the top of the pizza industry was your pizza any better? no because what was important was speed okay but now over time that has not become and maintained itself as a unique selling proposition because now people can get pizza in 20 minutes anywhere so it's no longer unique to Domino's and Pizza Hut started to keep delivering a better tasting pizza and that began to matter more than speed over time so Domino's has lost its unique edge Revenues are down. Domino's struggling. They have to create a new, unique selling proposition. But it sure raised the bar for everybody. Now we can go anywhere and get pizza in less than 30 minutes. And good tasty pizza. And it was profitable. Another good example is lens crafters. Lens crafters looked around at the industry and they said, oh, you know, people want glasses fast and there's no one doing it. So we're going to build the lab right in the store and we're going to deliver in about an hour. Well, that's a very compelling, unique selling proposition. And it's, it's got lens crafters at the top of the industry. No one's matched it. No one's done better. And so it continues to be an effective, unique selling proposition. Uh, another good example is uh, the battle today between Walmart, Target, and Kmart. Kmart is, is pulling out of bankruptcy, while Target can build a store right next to Walmart. Well, why can that happen? It's because Target has a different, unique selling proposition than Walmart. Walmart is appealing to a low-price audience. They want low prices always. They communicate that USP over and over again, while Target does not. Target goes after an income level demographic higher than Walmart. They build a nicer store than Walmart. They have wider aisles. They have a little nicer product line. And so Target's doing very well building their store right next to Walmart because they're going to a unique demographic than Walmart. So there was a USP not in product, but in who they were targeting. Does that make sense? Yeah. So there's, there's what we mean by unique selling proposition, is, is a very targeted... Uh, reason that people should do business with you and no one else and so with this clothing store in Elko we determined that they carried a nicer line of product so that we knew we couldn't be a low price leader and we also determined that they carried the largest selection of product and so now we, we even counted the number of winter coats they carried and quantified this selection as a unique selling proposition. So we crafted the USP around a higher line and the largest selection in town. So that was the first thing we had to do. The second thing we did was make sure that message gets integrated into all of their marketing. That's step number two in the system. So where did you integrate that higher selection, better quality? Okay, it starts first with the salespeople on the floor. So we did some training 
to make sure we got scripting into their sales pitches. So when people come in the store, the first thing that they're telling these people is why they're shopping there at the store. Well, we do have the largest selection of these higher-end, better-quality clothing lines. No one else in Elko has them. Well, that all of a sudden started to close more business. People started to buy more in the store. Um, and we got it integrated in their newspaper ads that they were running in their local paper. We got it integrated into the radio ads that were running in the local radio station. We got this message integrated through scripting and through copy work. And you're trained in step number two how to do that. So that was the second most important thing. It's silly to have a unique selling proposition, and it won't do any good unless it's communicated over and over and over again. And it's got to be done first. That's right. You could be just wasting your time. That's exactly right. You could be running radio ads without a USP wasting money and newspaper ads without a USP wasting money. And that's what these businesses do is they get out advertising that emphasizes price so they get mad when all they're selling is product with no margin. So a USP gives them a different message to sell. And that's why steps one and two are where they're at because it's silly to pursue steps three through seven unless one and two are done. What was the results for this clothing? I'll share one more thing that we did. What happened then is Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait right in the middle of our consultation with this clothing. The very month I was going to Elko, the Saddam decided to invade. Mm -hmm. No one came into the store and traffic dropped in half. This store owner said to me, Richard, I'm going to go out of business you don't help me with something here. I don't care if I got a great USP. I don't care if I got people that are that are hearing it on the radio. They're not coming in. They're all home watching CNN because it was the first time that, that the networks were publicizing a war and putting it on the screen. So his traffic dropped in half. So I said, okay, then what we need to do is do better with who is coming in the store. What is your average sale right now? And he calculated that his average sale was $25. So we did some training with the salespeople. We took some of his product line and built packages, and we raised his average sale to $50. Mm -hmm. We were able to double his sales with half the people. That saved him during that invasion. That kept him in business. And so the message is that when you're with a client that's in a hard time or the economics and the situation is such that the shopping just isn't being done, the place to turn to is the customers that are coming in anyway and doing a better job of getting more money from half of the business that's coming in. So that was a dramatic impact on that store. And we took him from 500000 to $850,000 in a year. Did he stick with you through all the steps? You bet. Yeah, we got into step three, which is database, and we reactivated customers. We got his customers onto a mailing list, and we sent offers, and he created a frequent shopper customer club where the minute somebody spent over $500 in this club, they got $50 worth of merchandise free. That had so much impact. It kept his loyal customers coming back and coming back and coming back. 
so we did some great things in step number three. Step number four is we started to put some cross-promotion pieces with other stores in the Elko area that had the same kinds of customers that he would want. For example, there was a Red Wing shoe dealer in the area, and we would have a special that would go to the Red Wing shoe customers over to this retail store outlet. And that brought in new customers in a different way without advertising more. We did the media, step five, as we talked about, getting the USP integrated into his radio and into his newspaper. He did step six, community marketing. It was a big part because Elko's a small town. He was sponsoring snowmobile trips. He was sponsoring outdoor activities. And he would take some of his clothing up to these spots and serve coffee and hot chocolate. And he was sponsoring the event. Mm-hmm. So he was out in the community making people aware of his store and of his higher-end clothing lines. So, yeah, there's, there were all the steps involved in that first uh, client had a dramatic impact. And he was probably having fun doing it. Oh, it was a blast, especially when the war ended and his traffic picked back up. That's great. That's a great illustration. Is he still around today? He's still around, doing well. Uh-huh. Do you keep in touch with him? You bet. Great story. Yeah. Let's do another. I want to talk about a catering business. He was doing about $300,000 a year in catering, and he was located in the Salt Lake City, Utah area. How were you introduced to him? My direct marketing contacted. So you're a phone guy. This is your phone guy. Called this guy cold, set up an appointment, and you went through the opportunity analysis. Exactly. Then he said, let's do it. That's right. Well, the most important thing that the training gives a a consultant is teaching you how to spot the hidden marketing assets that an owner may not. And so a typical owner, and this was the case with this catering, I go in, he's doing about $300,000, $350,000 a year, and he says, I need more customers. And I said, well, how are you getting customers now? He says, well, I have the largest yellow page ad in the yellow page book, so I have a full page ad. I said, well, how does that do? He says, oh, I'm getting calls every day. Well, that was a clue to me. Did he really need more customers? So what we did in this one was simply fix and tweak an existing marketing process that was already in place but was generating assets he was not leveraging. He really didn't even need a unique selling proposition, although we we went ahead and developed one. But the most important thing that he wasn't doing was capturing every phone call and following up on every inquiry from the Yellow Pages. Who was answering the phone over there? He was, which was the mistake, because he was also cooking. He was also the caterer. So I convinced him to go ahead and hire someone. That's all they did was answer the phone and follow up with prospects that inquired about his catering. And that is all we did for that client, taking him from three hundred and fifty to seven hundred thousand dollars a year. You started with step one, right? Yeah, we always look at the USP first. So he paid for his step one. That's right. And at what step did was this implemented in? And then step two is again integrating the USP into the current selling and marketing process. That's where this was. Because the phone ringing was his current process. So we got somebody to answer that phone, integrate and give the scripting of the USP over the phone, and he started to close more of his yellow page calls. It illustrates that you don't always have to fix a whole lot. 
all we did on this one was fix the sales process already. And he couldn't see it. He couldn't see it. So the message to consultant prospects out there that are looking at the program is that the USP for the program is training you how to spot these hidden marketing assets. I would think these things are going to jump out at you when you go through that opportunity analysis worksheet. That's right. That's exactly why we created that worksheet, was to help you as a consultant see these assets and help the business owner see them because they're the ones that are usually missing them. Okay, that's excellent. That would be related to increasing uh, conversion. Yes, that's right. See, because seven-step marketing system grows a business three ways, increases the number of prospective clients, increases the conversion rate of prospective customers to paying customers, and increases the value of each customer. So you recall back to the clothing store, we didn't have a chance to increase the number of people coming in the store because of the war. So we had to go to step three and increase the value of each customer and raise the ticket from 25 to 50 bucks, and that survived the business. The second case, the caterer, we had plenty of prospects coming in the door. He couldn't take anymore. He was too busy as it was. Well, a traditional advertiser or a traditional marketing consultant would have come in and said, well, we've got to get the phone to ring more. You need a bigger yellow page ad or you need more newspaper ads or you need to be on the radio, which is just exactly opposite of what this business needed. They needed training in step number two, which was a better handling of every inquiry coming in. And so you can see the beauty in the, in the flexibility of the system is it allows the consultant to go where the opportunity is the greatest and provide the most value to your client. That's great. Oh, here's a great one. Here's an attorney the Salt Lake, Utah area. These Were all your clients in that area? Uh-huh. Yeah. You're working right in your backyard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what we want consultants to do, to enjoy their backyard. And so my travel is minimal my you know expenses are minimal the the moving parade principle is is critical here and that is just because they might not need you today you want to stay in touch you want to stay in contact because they might need you tomorrow a business that starts business five years ago is now a prospect for me and there's always new businesses starting every day so your own backyard is uh, where the diamonds are okay let's do it uh, this is an attorney. He gives seminars. How did contact happen? I wanted to do seminars, and I uh, was looking through the yellow pages for a seminar company. And I ran into this company that titled by a seminar name. Uh, in reality, it was an attorney that was going around giving seminars on asset protection. And his client base was doctors dentists, high-income professionals who needed to have their assets protected through legal uh, channels. So did you call him cold out of the yellow? I did. I called him up and said, I'd like to look at doing seminars with you. And it ended up that that didn't work out, but he retained me as a consultant. We went in, and again, his USP was in his expertise. We knew right off the bat he had had 20 years in the business. He was well-respected around the country. He was a nationally renowned speaker. He used direct mail to get people into his seminars. I remember meeting with him, going through the opportunity analysis, 
And I asked him, I said, so how many people come to your seminar? And he says, well, I do about three seminars a week. I get about 500 people total during the week. I said, well, that's good. I said, of the 500, how many buy your asset protection package? He said, well, I'm a pretty good closer on the seminar circuit. I close about 30%. So I said, all right, so that means about 150 are buying your package. He says, that's right. And then because of the training, I asked this question. I said, so what about the other 350 that didn't buy? He said, well, I don't know. What can I do with them? I don't do anything with them right now. So here I am trained to spot that as a hidden marketing asset. And he said, wow, that's interesting. I'm already spending the money for those 350. So he says, what do you suggest, Richard? And so we implemented a back-end marketing program. So this is really step number three, database marketing. We got all of those 350 prospects, and we developed and trained a call center of two or three salespeople who would call back the 350 prospects the next day or two after the seminar and invite them to buy the package over the phone. This got this attorney a million dollars cash in a year that he never seen before. Wow, that's great. That, that was nice because I did some of that on contingency. I could see the opportunity. I knew what was gonna happen. I knew the 300, and what we found out was some of them just needed to go home and get their credit card. They didn't have it at the seminar. All right, let's, let's talk about that. You, so in your opportunity analysis, in asking questions, you saw what this could mean. You had enough experience to know what kind of dollars this was going to bring on. That's right. Now, let's say a consultant sees an opportunity like that, but the, the business owner has no clue. How, what are you going to say to try and lock in a contingency? Can you give an example with that specific case study? Yeah, you, what you would do is you would try to convince him and persuade him to a small test. You'd say, let's just test it, Mr. Business Owner. I don't know if it'll work, but let's just test How it. How many steps did he pay for already? Well, he'd gone through and made sure his USP message was right, so he paid me for that. Mm -hmm. We determined that I couldn't help him a whole lot on the front end where he was the presenter and closing. Mm -hmm. He was doing pretty well there. So we were big on this part, which was the prospects that didn't buy. Okay, so he had paid me for a couple of steps, and we were he was he was paying me for the third step, and then we locked in this contingency deal as part of that third step. So what would you say at that point when you want to lock it in? What do you say? Say, listen, why don't we go ahead and we'll cut what you pay me in half, and let me just take a commission on each of the sales made. You remember what he said? He said, sure, absolutely. Did you draw up an agreement or a letter of agreement? Uh -huh. And it's a commission agreement, and it was based on the phone people that I had trained and that I had. So it was very measurable because mm -hmm. we knew we weren't going to mess with the sales he made in the seminar. So these were all incremental sales that he had never, ever looked at. Can I ask you what you asked for in commission? It was 10% on every sale. Okay. That's easy for him to say yes. That's no big deal. Sure. So you put a time limit on the That's agreement. right, and they'll want to. Or what would happen? What do you think? They'd get resentful? Yeah. Deal falls apart? Yeah. yeah. 
So you would recommend if someone's going to set up a contingency with someone, avoid that and be fair and set a time limit on it. Yeah. Don't lock them in for life. Yeah. Unless you want to become part of the company. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's some reason you want to become an associate with your client and stay with him long term, that's a different story. But maybe you do that after a couple of years with him. I had no interest in becoming a long-term partner. Okay. That's a great illustration. Yes, a great story, and uh, again, the importance of being able to identify these hidden assets, because I tell the clients that I don't know which step of the system or which combination of steps is going to generate the increases, and so I need to do all of these steps, the ones I'm recommending, and they understand that. Let's go to uh, a manufacturer. This company manufactures clips that go on the siding of, of houses to clip cable to the house. So your Sprint people, your Comcast people, those the installers of cable are the customers of this company. How'd you find them? A referral through an alliance partner that I have. Mm-hmm. Can you explain that? Yeah. About three years ago, I came in contact through a client with a manufacturing nonprofit group who is set up by the federal government and have offices in every state. And their job, as assigned by the government, is to help small manufacturers become more profitable. So this manufacturing group I got in contact with by way of another client, and I met with them, and I helped that group increase its business. And then they contract with me to work all of their manufacturing clients that need marketing help. Mm-hmm. So it's been a great alliance for two years now. I don't, I'm not an employee. They just contract with me. And uh, it's an 80-20 split. So I pay them 20% of the fees, and then I get 80%. So this company was referred to me by this manufacturing group and they manufactured these clips for cable. I met with the the owner and the person he had running the company, and they were doing about $15,000 a quarter in business. So that's about $5,000 a month, not doing real well. We created a unique selling proposition, and then we integrated the unique selling proposition again into the person handling the phone call inquiries. And then we created a mailing piece, a combination of step three and seven, going out to his customers and to prospective customers, some direct marketing. And in 90 days, we had them doing $55,000 a quarter. That's great. How were they getting their existing customers? People were finding them on the website and calling to order clips. But what this owner was doing, or the guy running the company, was saying, yeah, I've got clips. But he wasn't telling them the UST. Were they a commodity? That's right. They were perceived as a commodity. We had to change that perception. And one of the attributes that this clip company had, and all of their clips, compared to the competition was it was much easier to use the clips, much easier to install, easier to maintain, easier to replace. 
Well, we started getting that phone script into those inquiries, and his conversion rates again doubled, raising his revenue. And so once again, very simple, very simple. But steps one got to be done. Steps two got to be done. Mm -hmm. And then that gives you the ability then to get more steps from the client. Did you take them through all the steps? No, just four steps. You're not going to take a client through all the steps in all the cases? That's correct. And I would say there's probably a pretty good rule that the smaller the company, the fewer steps. The larger the company, the more steps. Because the, the marketing's more complex. The marketing's more involved. I bet these guys just thank you up and down. Oh, they do. They think you walk on water. They do. I mean, you've, you've changed their lives, their, their families, and that's a good feeling. It is. It is. I'll tell you one story that in all of the consultants will get a little opportunities like this. I had a neighbor came by, and he knocked on my door, and he says, Richard, I understand that you're in marketing. I said, yes. He says, well, I need you to know I can't pay you anything, but could you help me? I said, sure. I'd be happy to help you. He said, I'm starting a um, carpet clean. I've got my truck. I've got my equipment. I'm only doing $100, $200 a week. So I'm, I'm really suffering here. Is there anything you can do to help me? I said, well, what, what are you doing now to get business? And he showed me a little 4x6, 5x8 flyer that he would take and hand out to homes. Well, without going through the steps of a USP, because I knew he couldn't pay me to do that, I just created one. And we changed the flyer. Flyer was three rooms, forty nine ninety five. Selling on price. That's right. Mm -hmm. So what I recommended to him is I said, why don't you give him the fourth room free? So do three rooms with me, get the fourth room free. Well, he handed out eight hundred flyers the first time and got one call. He handed out eight hundred with this unique selling proposition and got fifteen calls. He's making a grand a week now just changed his life overnight. Did you have an instinct that that would pull from some prior experience? Yes. I knew that free always is a good, compelling reason to buy. That works very well. But it, it also has been combined. I've used it with other packaging offers. And so he had this package for forty nine ninety five. And the reason I convinced him of it, I said, listen, you're already in the house. And so it's not going to take you long to add another room. He said, that's right. It's not a big deal. So we went with it, and his life's changed. So, yeah, there's that satisfaction as a marketing consultant, the way that you can impact lives and businesses. That's great. Is he still going today? He's still going today. All right, that's excellent. That's a good story. So, uh, let's illustrate one with this uh, very large manufacturing company, a public company, doing over $300 million a year. How'd you find them? Again, they were referred by my manufacturing alliance. And this is a great story because a big, large public company, there's some dynamics that as a consultant you encounter that you don't encounter with a small company. You have different levels of decision-making. It's usually a little longer sales cycle to get the deal closed. You invoice them, and then they pay you. And so it's a, it's a little different dynamics. 
than you might have with a small company. So Where were you when the call came in? Who called you from the company? What position were they in? They called me because the manufacturing group that I was associated with recommended that they call me to help them with some marketing issues. This manufacturing group, they have their own assessment, and so they're going in making assessments with clients, and during that assessment, the need came out for marketing. And so here was a division manager, the manager over commercial product applications mm -hmm. for this large public company, uh, called me and said, uh, Richard, we'd like to meet with you because we're introducing a new product to the medical industry, and we want to know how we should best do that. So they made product already to the military, was a big customer of theirs, and they now wanted to take this same product and apply it to the medical field in a commercial application. So we met. They, they paid me for step one. They paid me for step two. They paid me for step three. They paid me for step four. This was a, a little division. They had one salesperson that was responsible for getting this product out to medical companies. Let me interject. Now, you've got a huge company here. You know they got money. You're not dealing with mom and pop down the street. What's your decision-making process of what to charge this guy? Well, I knew that, that they could pay more, and so I charged more, $4,000 a step. I knew that they might call me later on down the road. So I got in the door. There's a nice fee, and we did the unique selling proposition. The one salesperson that they had before we met was doing a little bit, uh, oh, maybe $50,000 a year in medical sales. So we created a unique selling proposition. And what was neat about this is they were keenly the expert in what they did and the products they developed. And so I recommended to them that we set up a newsletter. These medical clients aren't fast buyers. They have to test product. They have to get product approved by the government. And, and they just got to go through a lot of hoops before they can buy product. And so I knew the sell cycle wouldn't be that fast. And so I knew that we had to, what I call, drip on the prospects. So we had this company develop a newsletter that would be sent out to these prospects on a regular basis, reminding them of the expertise available. The salesperson was not doing any kind of follow-up, so we had to do a lot in step two in getting the salesperson into a selling system that was leveraged and that was accountable. And, and so we did all of that. Uh, he said, okay, thank you, Richard. We're all done. I'm going to call you back in a year if we want to do it for another division, so I'll see you in a year. Because he knew that the sales would take that long to develop. Mm -hmm. Well, a year later, he called me up. He said, let's go again. I got the data. We're over $400,000 in a year from under 50000 Wow. In medical equipment. And so I said, he said, let's do it for another division. Who wrote the newsletter? He did because he has the expertise. And so we're now, right now, I'm currently retained by them working this other. Are you charging them more this time? About the same. That's and, excellent. Uh, 
uh, again, a manufacturer, and uh, these are all different kinds of businesses. So what? Here's another bonus tip from Michael Sinoff, HardToFindSeminars.com, and it's a collection of recordings on marketing consulting. I have met a gentleman named Richard who is one of the world's best marketing consultants, and I have 12 hours of audio interviews all on the subject of marketing consulting. We also have downloads to over 23 reports on the subject of marketing. In the section of recordings, you will find a multitude of ideas that will give you very valuable ideas on how to build and grow your business and also how to teach others how to grow their business with simple, no-cost, low-cost techniques. If you go back to hardtofindseminars.com to the main page, you'll see across the top in white, Consulting Services. If you click on that page, there's a form that will take you into a private secret section of my site I've set up just for you with all these recordings. All you have to do is fill out your name and your information and you'll be whisked away to Consulting Secrets where we have thousands of dollars worth of free downloadable audio recordings in MP3 and Flash. Also the written printed transcripts and PDF that you can start learning from starting today. This information is hot. So get on over to hardtofindseminars.com. Check out Consulting Secrets.